welcome to Puppet Podcast on the Road. I'm in this early morning with my new friend, Carrie. And uh, we cheers. are... Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. Morning cheers. And we are in her space, where her studio, where she creates all this magic. And uh, thank you. And uh, yeah, thank you to, to receive me in your environment and just talk about puppeteering in this early morning. First question I always ask all puppeteers, when your crush for puppeteering happened? Like how this crush happened for you? Yeah, uh, I think the first, the first uh, experiences I had with puppetry was in a class that I took uh, led by Janie Geyser, who is a puppeteer now on the um, West Coast, I think. Uh, uh, and she has been um, uh, running some programs and spaces there, but when I was an undergraduate student at NYU, I took a puppet class from her and um, was training as a director at the time and was really excited about uh, how objects can um, help shape narratives on stage and also how objects can provide different context to narratives on stage. Uh, and, and from there, um, I don't think the work I did as a director was ever the same. Wow, that's good. <laughs> yeah, because you direct. Like it, mm -hmm. we, we are here in Detroit to, to mention it, but you, you direct here, you, you write stuff for puppetry. Mm -hmm. So that's amazing. Yeah, there's... we. We try, with the shows that we're doing, we try and make sure that we're um, using a puppet style that is an appropriate fit for the story that we're trying to tell or the moments that we're trying to create. And sometimes those puppet styles are um, shadow puppets, which is a form of puppetry that I, um, that I make a lot of. And so I'm really, uh, I'm, I'm, I can, I design and make shadow puppets and I'm, I can do it really fast if I have to. <laughs> But there are other performances where the puppet forms are better if they are like spectacle-based puppets or um, uh, like paper mache-based puppets or um, large banner-style puppets. And sometimes if we're using different forms that I'm not as fast at or not as good at, we will hire other artists to help us make the objects. Um, but as a, um, as a director, um, I'm always looking for um, what is the most appropriate form that the objects need to take as a way to affect or tell the story in the, in the best way. Yes, and how you describe puppet, like in your own words, like sometimes we have to teach people about what we are doing, how you, you describe our job? Um, the idea that we, that we were talking about earlier, um, that I think is really a big influence on how I think about puppetry now, is um, puppets are objects that can help us illuminate the invisible processes on the world around us. So um, we are working on a show right now that is about the history of Detroit, um, and we are thinking about how um, political histories and financial histories uh, and histories of landscape and how long it takes a tree to grow and what happens when we start to process wood for houses in certain ways. All of those processes are um, not necessarily visible and not necessarily um, accessible to the general public, uh -huh. but they shape uh, very physical landscapes and they shape physical objects around us and so for for me using puppetry as a way to tell those stories or as a way to make people understand the invisible processes around them uh, is one of the amazing things that puppets can do that that nothing else can do I think 
Yes, it's communicating by matter. It's really yeah, yes, yeah, communicating in a in a physical way, the tangible. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. Yeah, and you work with different like material. I saw like you showed me around uh, different stuff like uh, like paper. Uh, <laughs> you you build from, but do you like? Um, like try to find the right material sometimes, or you just like sometimes it's the matter who brings you the inspiration. It's yeah, it's the material has to be right for the project. So um, we were looking at some shadow puppets earlier uh, that I was showing you, and and they were used in a project um, uh, we did with a local group uh, called the Bangla School of Music, and they are. Um, uh, primarily focused on um, promoting Bangladeshi culture and language and song. And so a lot of the ideas uh, and words in the songs that we were kind of hearing from them were about um, memories and they were about um, this idea of home. And so for us, the form of shadow puppets and light and shadow and images that could kind of recede was a good metaphor for memories. And so for us, shadow puppets was the right style of puppet for that show. Mm -hmm. um, this piece is a show, uh, is a uh, puppet stage and bat puppet that um, was built by our one of our kind of master puppet builders named Lindsay McCaw for a series of shows that we did with the Detroit Zoo. And for that show, because it's, um, uh, we wanted people to be really aware of um, uh, kind of the anchor in the earth that the bat cave can be, where that's coming from, and also um, there's a lot of information in that show about bat bodies, and so we wanted to have a really specifically realized, um, uh, you know, kind of a little bit oversized bat puppet that the kids could come up and touch at the end of the show. Also, part of that bat show, the zoo, um, you know, one of the things they talk to us about is people's, a lot of the attitudes they see from the public about certain animals, yeah. and people can get creeped out by bats. And so part of that show that we did was like, well, we need to give bats some PR, because it's good PR. <laughs> I mean, bats are really cool. And so to, to have this bat that was like, had a really fuzzy stomach that you could rub after the show, um, kids really liked that, or to yeah. be able to like let them kind of control the head and have it look around. Um, it made it was an object that was very accessible and, and kind of changed the way maybe some kids thought about bats. Yes. So for us, that the physical like a three D rendering of um, that oversized kind of child friendly bat puppet was really important for that show. Yeah, and make kids touching it mm -hmm. because sometimes we put a, a barrier between the art and the like the art piece and the kids little hand. But yeah, it's a good good thing to make it. Real it was nice to, it's nice in those shows when we have the opportunity to do that. It's not always the yeah. case that like kids can come and touch stuff, um, but it's it's nice that, that that was one that we could build it in. Yeah, to put it in the process, to say at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. And like for kids or for people who want to be puppeteer, what you would say would be the best background or the way to become a puppeteer? Oh my gosh, make puppets. <laughs> make puppet shows and because I think that people also I know that I when I was first starting out I would get really um, caught up around the idea or tripped up around the idea that like uh, these objects that I was making the puppets I was making were not very polished looking and maybe they looked very low-tech um, 
But now I think about those times, and I and uh, what what's neat to see is you know yes they're low tech, but also the ideas around the form of puppetry were so important for me to. Um, those ideas were so important for me to transmit or to get across to audiences mm -hmm. that um, it didn't, it, it didn't, like I didn't need to be polished. Mm -hmm. It was okay that it was just phone core and some staples and videos that I pulled off of the internet interacting with each other and a voiceover that I recorded off of my phone or something like that. Um, the ideas were there. And so I think anybody interested in starting out or interested in, um, you know, having a career in puppetry, just make stuff. Just make as much as you can with anything around you. Yeah. And, um, yeah, the ideas will start getting out there. Yeah, it's then maybe take this cool path or become an actor first or uh, from set design or props design. It's not maybe always a cool path. Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I, there are so many different ways that um, people can get into this field. I know um, there's a theater in... Uh, Ypsilanti, Michigan, which is like a 40-minute drive outside of Detroit, run by a lady named Naya Venturi that I've worked with for a long time, and um, she is a, like a chemical engineer, and so, but she's also a really, really amazing puppet maker, and she's a great, you know, puppet writer and puppet director, and so coming to this field of like uh, tiny tinkering of objects and um, the detailed stuff that goes into puppetry, I can see the connection. Um, and then other people I know who have backgrounds in social work, but they're very interested in like the dynamics of the puppetry troupe, the dynamics of the story and character. I kind of see a way in for that. People interested in set design, of course, yeah. the visuals represented on stage. Um, yeah, people in film also that I know of who have like gotten really into um, puppetry as well. There's so many ways to, to get in. Just, just get in. Let's <laughs> get in. Do you think puppeteering is an, an ascension or it's less popular in our time right now? Oh, in the field. Um, you know, that's a really good question. I think that the practicing puppeteers, um, I don't know if it's just, I, I can't, I, I uh, don't know if it's just because I'm paying more attention now than like 10, 15 years ago. Um, but I know that I have seen more articles written about um, uh, the importance of puppetry over CGI. Like I think uh, Taylor Bibot just wrote uh, a piece that was talking about, um, you know, with the Star Wars movies kind of ending yeah. recently. Um, it just emphasizes how everything in movies should not be done with just computers. Yeah. Computers should be used to enhance the puppet objects that um, are really at the core of what they're trying to do. Um, I know that with like, um, I think his name is, yeah, Michael Curry, the um, uh, kind of larger scale, more spectacle based uh, puppets that he is creating, um, you know, originally for like Julie Taymor's performances, but now like I mean, he was doing like Super Bowl halftime shows. And, yeah. Like it's getting into kind of the more popular public vernacular yeah. now, I think. And um, giants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think in, in music videos, and I, I don't know, um, I don't know if if the general public would see something like that, the Super Bowl halftime, and be like, oh, look a puppet. But that's what it is. Yeah. Um, so I think that with the rise of digital media, there's also a pendulum sh shift, pendulum swing, and the um, importance of handcrafted objects. Um, is also coming up. 
So I don't know if that's a if that's a like a one way answer to your question. It's maybe you're talking about it like that. But um, for me, yes. <laughs> yeah. Building up. It's building up. That's yeah. good. Yeah. That's good. So thank you very much. Maybe we can look at this shadow puppet right there to oh. show to the, the people maybe because they saw a bit of the bat, but this is so interesting. Yeah, sure. Um, with the, the sun coming from the window. Yeah, the grasshopper puppet. Because you study in Indonesia. Yes, yeah. So after my, um, that class that I took with Janie Geyser as an undergrad, when I was in graduate school um, at the University of Michigan, there was a, uh, an Indonesian puppeteer in residence there for two years. And so I had a chance to um, work with him and his whole family had been involved with puppetry for decades. And I also worked with a lot of um, researchers in the Department of Southeast Asian Studies about oh, the history of puppetry and storytelling in Asia, in Southeast Asia. Um, and then I was able to go to Indonesia for a bit and then later to live there for about a year and a half and just experience different kinds of puppetry, both very traditional and very contemporary. Um, so I learned a lot there about um, the practices that are... Um, the practices that are implemented in Indonesian shadow puppets. Um, and so that's, it's very different, the materials are very different. You know, in Indonesia, I think a lot of artists are using um, buffalo hide and it's very warm there a lot of the time. Yeah. So the quality of that as a build material is very different um, than like if you are in Michigan where it's cold 10 months out of the year and it becomes very brittle. So here, a lot of times also, and, and um, just because of what is accessible, I'll use like plastic-based material. Um, so overhead transparencies, and then also uh, like contact paper I will use a lot, and wooden dowel rods, and you know tape, and cardboard, just what's accessible and cheap. Uh -huh. um, but the amount of detail and the amount of time that gets um, uh, put into the craft of the objects, I think really transcends, even if you have like cheap accessible materials, then the craft of the object is what is going to bring it. Yeah. Next level. Let's take next level. Yeah, Carrie, thank you very much for receiving me at the Puppet Podcast. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Thank I, you. I wish you the best for all of those projects. And it's all a landscape here of puppeteering. So I will put the link there. You can subscribe and you can look at the website of your organization. Thank you. I'll try. Keep puppeteering, people! Yeah!